Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today, in our culture, the only thing that is wrong is saying that something is wrong. Have you noticed that? Nothing is wrong except saying something is wrong. The whole idea, the whole agenda that Jesus came to bring was he came to say, things are wrong and I've come to make them right. And in our interaction with Jesus, I want you to know that he wants to make every crooked place in your life straight. For every desert, every dry place in your life, that rivers of living water would flow and your thirst would be quenched. That every injustice, every pain, every malady, every sickness, Every ideology, every desire would come and bow before the throne of Jesus in your life and that the things in our life that are wrong would be made right. Am I talking to anybody today? Do you love Jesus? is saying that there are things in your life that you wish were right and submitted to the Lord, is that a confession that you are not in Christ Jesus? No. How many of you are saved? You love Jesus. Some of you are shy. You don't like to raise hands in church, but that's a good one to raise your hand in church, right? If that's you. Now, you may just go ahead and raise it and you're not saved. That's okay because you're not saved. You can do that. But you you might be in camouflage, right? (laughs) In camouflage. But today, you can say, I am placing my trust in Jesus. For those that have raised our hands and said, we are saved, here's the reality is that I am saved. I was saved. I am saved. I am being saved, and one day I will be saved. And the reality is with our life that no matter how much we love Jesus, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of this world are in a battle in our life. There are things in my life that I look at and I say, I wish that was different. I wish I could control that. I wish I was better at dealing with that. I'm just being real. Maybe you're better than me. Maybe you've got things under control, right? But in my life, there are things that I believe that I will battle with until the very day that I breathe my last breath, right? And it doesn't disqualify me from ministry. That qualifies me for humanity. It qualifies me for being human. Pastor, you setting this up to tell us something? I'm telling you this. 
I am like the Apostle Paul. You are like the Apostle Paul. The things you don't want to do, you find yourself doing, and the things you want to do, it's difficult to do. He says, my, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Listen, here, here's, how, here's how one of the great ministers of uh, the, the 20th century said it. He, he said, you better be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Your whole life should be spent worshiping the Lord and fighting sin in your life. And now, of course, we're, all, we're also told in the scriptures, you know, be careful of what it is that, um, you know, we are, are um, uh, diminishing, who we're diminishing, who we're fighting with, who we're avoiding. Um, it's not the world. It's, it's not the world. We should, we should eat with sinners. We should, we should eat with sinners. We Scripture said, be very careful with Christian brothers who confess Jesus and go on in unrepentant sin. And I'm not even talking about Christians who are struggling with some kind of situation. What what I'm talking about is someone who professes Jesus yet continues to willingly live in open defiance of God. Listen, I'm going somewhere, okay? Here's what I'm trying to say is that when you come to Jesus... And you make a decision to follow Jesus. Today, there are many people going public with their faith in Jesus Christ today across our campuses. Salvation is not the destination. Salvation is the starting point. It's the starting point. It's where we come and say, we say, Jesus, we want you to be the Lord of our life. We want you to transform us. But listen, when you come to Jesus and, and even in the picture of baptism, our, we are buried. Our old man is buried. Then we're resurrected in new. new and Jesus, that scripture calls us then a new creation. That's the starting point with Jesus. And then as we go, listen, listen, as we go, there are things that we want to let go of as we go. Now, I will never baptize someone that I know is knowingly living in sin. I mean, this is what salvation is. Salvation is not just praying a prayer that Jesus would forgive you. There will be no forgiveness of sins without repentance from sin. You cannot be saved unless you repent. And repentance isn't just feeling bad about something you did. You got caught, you feel bad, you're getting blown up on social media, you went to jail, you paid a fine, you got embarrassed, and now you feel bad. It doesn't say feel bad and be saved. The whole world is covered up in guilt. In fact, when you're saved, you're delivered from guilt. This is the incredible thing. The Bible says it in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's an awesome thing to have your sins forgiven. Okay, let me say it a different way. It's an awesome thing to have your debts forgiven. You know, there's a website out there that will tell you what your, there's a website out there that will tell you what your, um, if you have any unpaid money. Have you heard of these websites? That you're owed something somewhere. Now, I just thought that was silly. I didn't think that was real, but it's actually a thing. And 
One time I went to those, one of those websites and found I was owed a couple thousand bucks. It was some kind of insurance payment, some kind of, some kind of thing that I was owed. It didn't get to me. Went to the wrong address, went back, and then it, it goes to some clearinghouse in the sky. And let me tell you, when I got that, I was like, oh, wow, this is wonderful. But to go, can you imagine having payments forgiven, having debts canceled? And when we're talking about a few bucks or a thousand bucks or tens of thousands of dollars, it's an incredible thing. But can you believe that in Christ Jesus, when we come to Christ, our debts from start to finish are canceled. Everything in your past has been wiped away. It's been thrown uh, so far away, as far as the east is from the west. You can't even find that place. It's been forgiven so radically that you can't even go back and find it. And if you do find it, it's just an exercise in your own emotional, mental, psychological catharsis. It, it's worthless. It's, it's time poorly spent. Why would you mess with something that God has forgiven, canceled, and gotten rid of? It's an amazing feeling. Yet, yet we walk around in guilt and we walk around feeling sorry. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. Listen, we should feel, we learned in this series that we should have real spiritual sorrow for how we have opposed God with our lives. This is what precedes repentance. There will be no repentance if you don't have a revelation that your sin opposes God. Our repentance happens when we know who God is and that he is our Lord, he is our God, he's our Savior, he's our Creator, and he's our Redeemer, and we go to the only one that can forgive us, knowing that we have defied him, and we come repenting, feeling real godly sorrow, and then to repent is a 180-degree turn. You cannot go with Jesus and go on living in your sin. You might be able to fool your parents. You might be able to fool your children. You might be able to fool your church. You might be baptized a thousand times wet, but if you don't repent, you will go to hell wet. It's a repentance, a turning. And then when we repent, the Bible says repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And then when we're baptized... <laughs> Well, we're saved. We're not saved by water. We're saved by Jesus. But from that starting point in our salvation, we begin to move. Now, have you noticed, has anybody noticed, that when you give your life to Jesus, before you hardly even pull out of the church parking lot, you might be in an argument with your spouse. You just came out of church, and now you got your hand in the back seat just trying to slap the first kid you can get a hold of. Man, my brother and I went to youth camp as teenagers and maybe early teens. And I, I remember we went to camp, had this incredible spiritual engagement. And I, there's a picture around it somewhere. My brother, Philip, in the altar at the camp in Waimama, Florida. What a name for a town. Waimama, Florida, outside of Tampa. My brother's praying, and I'm there praying, and we're praying, and it was, there's tears on the altar, and oh, it was a powerful thing, a lot like the students did. And then we directly went home, 
And the next week, my brother and I got in a fight. I kid you not. After I finished beating up my brother, which, you know, older brother's always going to have the upper hand. Even when the younger brother gets bigger, we still got you. <laughs> my brother and I fight, and he looked at me and said, I thought you were filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> have you noticed that even after you submit your life to the Lord, you are battling things? And you fail and you sin. That's the point of today. I want to talk to you about sanctification. I want to talk to you about being set apart. I want to talk to you about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Go with me to this fourth beatitude, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I love this part, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, so far, we know that a blessed person is one who becomes poor in spirit, who mourns over his sins, and one who submits to the will of God. Today, we want to take that next step, keeping in mind that the Beatitudes, if you look at them, if you read through them, you will see they're almost sequential. They're progressive. It's something, it's like you stack them. You work on one. Now, you work on one, you improve, you grow, you get strengthened and continue. It's this journey that the Lord takes us on. When we look at righteousness, we need to understand that there's actually two kinds of righteousness that the believer needs to engage in. First of all is the righteousness that God gives you. You realize that your righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. You can do the best you want without Jesus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Listen, there are, will be a lot of people who have done good things who will not enter into the kingdom of God because we're not saved by works, lest we boast we're saved by Jesus. Is that discouraging or encouraging to you? Because it should be encouraging. Because you know who you are. When you lay down to sleep at night, do you have thoughts that invade your mind that remind you of things that you've done? Does, has anyone ever been just driving down the road, minding your own business? You're driving, and then out loud you say, oh, man, and you shake your head, thinking about something you've done in your life, thinking about something you said. Have you ever, are you like me that sometimes as the words are coming out of your mouth, you're diving after them, trying to grab them and bring them back because you know that you put your mouth in gear before your brain was in gear. Anybody? <laughs> I know. <laughs> God help us. We are not saved by trying harder. We are not saved by doing better. We are saved by Jesus. And this righteousness that is conferred on us is a work of God. It is the spirit of God at work in our life. It's supernatural. It doesn't make sense. It, it's not natural, it's supernatural. It's above natural. It's something that only God can do. Because you don't deserve to be here. And I don't deserve to be here. We're only here because of God's great grace. 
Is anyone here in the house today thankful for the grace of God? Amen. The second kind of righteousness that God calls us to is, or that he gives us is the righteousness he calls us to. There's the righteousness he gives us and then the righteousness that he brings about in your life. So you are saved. I want you to get better. I want you to grow in grace. What does it matter if we claim Jesus and we don't even look like Jesus? Yes, I know that salvation is an inner work, but it ought to show up on the outside of us. It ought to show up in how we treat people. It ought to show up in how we love people. There is no one anywhere that shouldn't have a place at Pathway Church. Oh, that's great that you dust off a place for someone that is well-respected to sit by you while praying that God gives us the city. You know, after all, we are for God in our city. Until the city comes in and sits down by you. Sits down by your children. Sits down by your friends. Sits down in the place that you're used to sitting to. Smells a little wrong or hanging out with the wrong people. Maybe they have everything, but they have nothing, and you don't want to be associated with them, and you'd rather not be sitting. You'd rather not show up in a picture. Man, forget about all that stuff. Forget about it. God wants to do something powerful in our life. And this message of the gospel is not only for people like us. Let me amend that just for a second. What is like us? We are like sheep gone astray. But pastor, um, man, did you see what they put on Facebook? Paul, such as were you. It seems to me like we look at where we are, where we think we are in this moment, and we judge everybody based on where we are, not where we were. I've also noticed that we tend to judge people based on their actions and judge ourselves based on our intentions. Oh, I meant to do good. Man, you were a jerk in that place, though. Yeah, but I didn't mean it came out wrong. But if somebody looks at us funny, here's the deal. Every single one of us in this room is fighting something. You know, it's not, we, should get, we should get ourselves ready. You know, we shouldn't walk around moping. People shouldn't see all of our motions out on our face all the time. That's, that's, transparency is not everything that it's cracked up to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know, I, I shouldn't ask how are you doing if I don't really mean it. But if somebody asks you how you're doing, you don't have to say everything. You gotta you gotta judge your situation. You gotta judge who you're talking about, who you're talking to. They're not just asking for themselves. 
So, you know, telephone, telegram, tell a friend. It's a great, it'll get out there. Everybody's battling something. And we ought to give God our very best. But as you're growing in grace, would you make allowances for other people to grow in grace also? Can Pathway Church not be a holiness church? A church that wants to see the power of God that's in the word of God show up in the lives of the people of God? While at the same time making room for everyone everywhere to come and know the same God that we have found? We're on a journey. And we ought to be hungry for that journey. Now, what is it about hunger? You know, when you get hungry, you're just different. You might be weak. There's some times where I, I get hungry and my hands will shake a little bit. Sometimes I get hungry, I get a little snappy. Anybody? It just, everything feels a little more desperate, grumpy. Your stomach growls and people look at you like, the meeting's going long, man. It's time for lunch, you know. Hunger is a sign of need. Sign of need. People spend their whole lives trying to satisfy hunger in all of the wrong places, on all of the wrong diets, in all of the wrong restaurants, trying to meet a need that can't be met by those things, no matter how good they are. Jesus says hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger is also a sign of spiritual life and health. Growing things, working things, things that spend energy, Things, people that are doing things require nutrients. And you know, if there's a big ox that's treading out corn, if there's a workhorse that's getting things done, let me tell you that workhorse needs to eat more oats than my little pony. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's actually like a sign of health when you want to eat, when you're hungry. And then hunger is also a powerful motivation. You know, I'm hungry to see my family do well. I'm hungry to see my children grow. I'm hungry to advance in my life. I'm hungry to do more of what God called me to do. Pastor, I don't know about all this talk about ambition. Why? What's wrong with ambition? Do you not want to do better in your life? Is there anyone that's aspiring for downward mobility? I don't, not really. Not really. God places something in us that says, I want to do better. I want to do better than my mom did. I want to do better than my dad did. And every good parent wants to see their children do better than they did. It's not an indictment against the parent. If children do better than the parents, it's actually honors parents when our children go out and achieve and do. Amen? Hunger is, is a great motivation. Listen, if you're hungry, you'll work. If you're hungry, you'll hustle. If you're, hung, if, if you're raising kids and you're hungry and they're hungry, you will get however many jobs it takes to feed your family. Amen? Come on, somebody. Like hunger, is, it's, a, it's a God thing that he placed. And when we're hungry, we need to be satisfied. But choose the wrong hunger and you'll never be satisfied. Hunger is natural, but your diet is cultivated. 
Uh, when I was in my late 30s, I rode my bicycle across Southeast Asia. I did that to raise money for some houses we were, bu we were building outside of Phnom Penh, Cambodia for a poverty relocation project. It was so much, it was amazing. It was like a pinnacle moment of my life. I rode my bike from Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, across Vietnam, across Cambodia, and then to Bangkok, Thailand. I did that in about six or seven days. I was riding between 76 miles on the low day to 137 miles. I was burning just on the bike, not from living my life, not just from breathing, but just on my bike in those five hours that I would, that I would ride my bike, those six hours I'd ride my bike, I was burning over 9,000 calories. And I, I, it was the best shape I had ever been in my life. I, on a regular week, when I was getting ready for that, I was riding 40 miles in the morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and Friday, and on a Saturday, 100 miles. And let me tell you, you can't do that without eating a lot. I, w I was, man, I was getting, some of my friends were calling me Smeagol, you know, Golem, you know, Lord of the Rings. Like I was, but I was eating so much food. And after that ride across Southeast Asia, even on the ride, I would sit down to eat. I would eat my meal. And then I look at Kelly. I was like, are you done with yours? I would eat hers. I was ordering two meals a day. When I came back after all of that, I would just eat and go to the refrigerator and look at food. I just wanted more. That hunger was never satisfied. But I'll tell you what I wasn't eating. I wasn't eating Cheetos. I wasn't eating Snickers. My body wouldn't tolerate it. The reason is because my, the demands on my life and the, the diet that I was on needed the best kind of food that I could get in order to sustain that kind of output of energy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, my brothers, my family, Pathway Church, oh church that God loves, bride of Christ, listen to me. You are hungry. Make sure your diet is designed for the life that you've been called to. And now this isn't something that's automatic. It's something that's cultivated. You've been saved by the grace of God. He has forgiven you. But you have to cultivate that by consuming the word of God, by being around other brothers and sisters in Christ, by understanding. One of the greatest things that we're, one of the things that the Johnson family is really enjoying, we've been watching The Chosen. And as I go through there, as we go through, we've just been talking about how much it's like mortar between the bricks. It's helping us to put together in really visual terms what the Gospels were like, the timeline of Jesus. Pretty wonderful. And, you know, what, I, what I've noticed is the more that we watch that, the more I want to know about the Word of God. The more I want, when I hear Jesus speaking, I'm wondering, is that really how Jesus talked? Is that really what his disciples were like? You know what's making me want to do? It's making me want to live my life in a way that's more pleasing to the Lord. Why is that? Because my diet is changing. And here's what I want to say, Pathway. Don't stop at being saved. You will never stop at being hungry. Cultivate your diet so that God can sanctify your life. Here's what will happen. I want to just jump on here to just a, a, a little um, challenge for you. First John chapter three and verse two lets us know that one of the reasons that God cultivates us is so that he can bring forth a great harvest in us. 
It's not just our diet that he's cultivating, but it's our field that he's cultivating. And the more we submit ourselves to the Lord, the more we honor the Lord in our life, in our thoughts, in our actions, in seeking to please the Lord, not earn our way into heaven, but seeking to allow the kingdom of God to show up in our lives in the way that we live. The more we do that, the more capacity we have in our life to produce fruit that lines up with the kingdom of God and blesses a great many people. First John 3, verse 2, dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he's pure. We cultivate our life, we cultivate our diet, we cultivate our mind, we, we purify, we are sanctified, we are set apart. God is cleansing us not only so that we can be used, but because Jesus wants us to be like him. And we want to be ready when he comes. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. This is the great challenge for us today. How many of you are running a race? You're running a race. You feel like you're on the race. You're moving forward. You're not where you were yesterday. You know, you you may have had some setbacks. That's how races are. That's how journeys are. Sometimes you get a flat tire, run out of gas, uh, don't know where you're going. Things are a little vague. How many of you had your GPS tell you to go the wrong place? Telling me to take a U-turn up there? I'm like, I'm not taking a U-turn. I'm cutting across right here. I've taken some shortcuts in my life that I thought were the right way to go, only to find out that that was a really bad move. I've looked at ways and I've thought, no, I can make it through this. No, I pretty much should listen to ways. Help me on my destination. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 tells us how we should run our race. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I want you to notice something here. This is not a talk just to get you to stop sinning. It's more than that. Did you notice what it said? Lay aside every weight that does so easily entangle us, especially the sin. You have a lot of good things in your life that you need to let go of. Why? Why? Well, because every good thing that's in your life is occupying the space for some great thing. There are things in your life that God you know, has blessed you with, but it's time to move on from those things because there is a race that you need to run. I want you just to imagine this. What is it that you're carrying? What are you carrying that you don't need to be carrying? Well, especially the sin. If it's an addiction, ask God to break that thing. If it's something that you is sinful, it's wrong, you need to let go of that thing. You need to submit it to the Lord, give that to the Lord. But I'm saying there are things in your life that God wants to release from you some kind of security blanket in your life, something you're comfortable with, familiar with, And God is saying, if you'll let go of that thing, you'll make room for something even greater. And maybe that that thing that he would make room for is so that you would be able to run your life better, that you'd be able to run the race better. You know, I know one thing, when I was riding across Southeast Asia, 
I didn't have three suitcases. And nothing wrong with suitcases, nothing wrong with changing clothes. But you won't finish a race like that if you're bogged down with a bunch of stuff. Some of you are carrying all kinds of drama from your past that has defined you, and you feel like it's, it's the only right thing for you to carry them and do some kind of penance. You are not saved by that. That's a self-defeating, unchristian thought and philosophy. There are not enough lashes you can put on your back. There are, there, there is, did, did you know in the Reformation, uh, Martin Luther would whip himself. He would, he would strike himself in doing some kind of penance. Listen, we don't have to do that. We're saved by Jesus. We're saved by him and forgiven. Let go of the guilt. I know there are things that you wish you would have done differently when you were raising your kids. I know there are things that you wish you would have said differently. But do you believe that Jesus has forgiven you or not? If God has forgiven you, who are you not to let go of it yourself? Imagine you're carrying things, now you've released it, that that weight is no longer in your hands. Now imagine that you have something that is occupying your time, and now you have found time. Imagine there are things that are consuming your energy. What do you mean your energy? You're just sitting there. Listen, there are a lot of times when I'm just sitting there, but I'm very busy. I'm thinking, I'm processing, I'm working. I'm working. That's one reason I like systems. I like a, a good system. Systems will work when I'm not. A system saves you stress, time, energy, and money. I like systems because they automate things that you ought not to have to think about every time so that you are free to think about the things that only you can think about. If you are occupied in your time by things that have entangled you in, in life, what is it that you're not dwelling upon? Whatsoever things are good, Whatsoever things are just, things of good report. The Bible says, think on these things. How can you think on these things if you're busy thinking on the bad report, on the injustice, on the difficulty, on the challenge? I'm not saying that there aren't real challenges in the world, but what I'm saying is when you're down in it, look above it because that's where your help comes from. You're tied up. You're entangled. Take it off. Lay it down. Put it down. Give it up. Give it to Jesus. Get light. It's time to travel light. Sanctification is letting go of all of the things, of the troubles of this world, so that you can put your mind on Jesus Christ. Pastor, but I've had some difficulties happen. Listen, let the difficulties of life be a setup for you to give thanks to the Lord. And let the blessings of God be a setup to give thanks to the Lord. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be satisfied. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap today. Hey, if you say right now, if, if you say, Pastor, me, I love Jesus but I have some things I wanna lay down tonight, today. I don't wanna walk out of this place with the things that I came in. I've got some shame, some guilt, some drama, some challenges, some extra work, some entanglements, some things I'm involved in, some good things I wanna lay down. I wanna make room for the diet that God has for me. If that's you, just put your hand up right now, right where you are, amen, amen. You're not alone, you're not alone. Lord, touch our lives today as we make you our Lord and our God that we would hunger and thirst for you. We'd spend time with you by making time for you. And we'll thank you, Jesus. We'll thank you. 
And Lord, I pray that as we do, I pray that there just be such a sweet spirit that comes in over the lives of your people and you would touch and you would heal, you'd transform. Father, you'd change. Lord, just like you did for me when I was on that great journey, you, you even changed my body chemistry. It caused me to be hungry for more of the right things. I pray that you would do that for us so that every single day we want you more and more and more because we found a great table sitting, a, a great diet sitting at the table of the Lord. And I love you for the work that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give God a great big hand clap of praise today. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.